1: Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town
0: to play the Dolphins, you dumbass.
1: What is up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, December the 5th edition. Of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the All 22 review is done. We'll get you caught up on the individual performances from Sunday's win, as well as some coaching decisions before we officially turn the page to Patriots Week as we welcome in a longtime friend of the podcast. On Crossover Wednesday. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedonFins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all the daily written content for this Dolphins teams you so desire. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat Podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. It's a Wednesday podcast, which means we don't have any injuries to update you on just yet. Let's go ahead and start things off. That's another Miami Dolphins. And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by my bookie, where you play, you win, you get paid. And let's go ahead and jump right into the All-22 review from the Dolphins win over the Buffalo Bills 21-17 at Hard Rock Stadium here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And the first thing that comes up, obviously, every single week is the quarterback discussion. And Ryan Tannehill only throws for 137 yards, 5.7 yards per attempt, but he does have three touchdowns in the process. And once again, as it has been all season long, some of the stuff with Tannehill you love and some of the stuff that makes him not that next-level quarterback we've been waiting on for so long now. Missing reads, slow to process, always a hair late. And yeah, he is currently the 14th rated passer in the NFL. He's got a yards per attempt average of 7.4 and better than a 2-1 to touchdown to interception ratio. And the team is 4-3 in his seven starts and really could be 6-1 if not for those Colts and Bengals collapses. Of course, the latter he had his hand in that collapse in his own right. But I had a conversation with Jason Harina last night, our staff editor, about the two things that Tannehill's game was entirely dependent on before all the injuries started taking its toll. Two things that make Tannehill a better-than-average starter in the NFL. The big-time arm, the ability to rip the fastball up the seam, the ability to throw the deep comeback or the deep out to the far side of the field from the far hash, and of course, the deep ball with a tight spiral. And number two, the athleticism. The ability to hold a defense on the zone read. The ability to get out wide on play-action boots or make plays with your legs and extend drives in that way. And now, balls are floating more in the second half of games as he displays the zip early on and loses that zip from the shoulder. And how many times have we heard a broadcast with Carson Wentz or Deshaun Watson or a quarterback that, let's be honest, has earned this right and earned this reputation over Tannehill, but you hear that it takes two years to be fully back from an ACL injury? You never hear with Tannehill. And Tannehill had the best two elements of his games compromised with the injuries. The knee injury first, putting him in that brace, making things a little bit more conservative. And then, of course, now the shoulder, which seems to have taken his fastball at least for four quarters of an entire game. So it should be very interesting to see how he develops over the next four games and how the quarterback for the Dolphins plays out the string. Because this game on Sunday, I put up a lot of videos on Twitter showing you the film breakdowns. He was a beat slow on several throws, but the two big touchdown throws when things mattered the most down in the red zone, a third down on one of those instances, a second and 12 on the other, under pressure nonetheless, he makes absolutely perfect throws between coverage, right to his receivers, the plays that you see with Ryan Tannehill and say, okay, this guy can do it at this level and you can win behind that guy. But again, plenty of guys coming open that he doesn't see or he's late to get to. That wheel route with the rub on the outside to the running back is so commonly used in this offense. And Tannehill is always late to recognize how fast it comes open if the linebackers even with the running back throw the ball because if he's even he is leaving especially Kenyon Drake versus Matt Milano as for the rest of the team Kenyon Drake once again was awesome I thought he ran with his hair on fire was physical was tough showed speed showed burst Devontae Parker and Kenny Stills made those big touchdown plays I thought Stills had some opportunities where he was open down the field, and once again, Tannehill chose to play it safe in this game. Like I said, I think the shoulder has more to do with that than anything else. And the tight end play was very few and far between. Durham Smythe had a rough day in some instances. Mike Kosicki, once again, another rough game for him. There was actually a play where they got blocked into the backfield or shoved in the backfield, I should say, when they were trying to hit blocks, and that was pretty embarrassing. Nick O'Leary, not his best day either. On the offensive line, you know that Jesse Davis and Ted Larson were awful. Jake Brendel had a rough day, but the two tackles were really good especially Larry Tunzel which is the case every single week now flip it over to the defense and Matt Burke once again the frustrations seem to pile up the scheme just perpetuates my own frustrations with this team and with the stubbornness to make changes whether it's on the offensive or defensive side of the ball but we are talking about the defense and I did see Matt Burke in the tunnel post game after the Dolphins win and I said to him good game Matt But I didn't believe in what I was saying. That was really just a pleasantry and an excuse to say something to the coach on the defensive side. And on the defensive video breakdown thread up on my timeline right now on Twitter, I showed instances of slanting the ends inside on their rush and creating wide open alleys for Josh to escape from on either side and in man coverage no less. In another instance where Rayquad McMillan is chasing a wide receiver down the field in the red zone on a dig route, 20 yards from the line of scrimmage, and it goes for an easy touchdown. Surprise, surprise. And these guys tend to gain depth in unnecessary areas, falling back into coverage where there's no bodies, there's no receivers coming into that area, so they're covering grass. These guys are often late to their spots, and the plans that don't make a lot of sense that Matt Burke is throwing out there, it's just absolutely frustrating. And real quick, individually, I talked about the two corners, X and Minka, on the recap pod on Sunday, and my God, both of these guys are really, really good. The preparation is just so evident, and the physical skills are there. Jason said it on Sunday night. He thinks that Minka is already or will be better than X very soon, and I tend to agree with him because X does get beat up top, here and there but when minka gets beat it's because he's in perfect position and just doesn't get his head around at the last minute so i think better balls beat minka where x is more susceptible to letting up the big play when he gets beat so i can see that happening but i do think that this team is going to have the very best outside cornerback tandem in the nfl by next year speaking of cornerbacks Bobby McCain had a rough day, but the sack was huge, and he had another TFL on an impressive run stuff, so a little bit up and down for him. Rashad Jones is having a down year, a bad year, and that continued on Sunday. He's late a lot. A lot of the times he's late to get over, and he's missed more tackles this year than he usually does. Kiko has a typical Kiko day and so did Wake. The former was bad. The latter was good. Wake was held by Jordan Mills all day long. What's new? But that's what we come to expect with Cam Wake. And then there was one play where Andre Branch was just standing up offsides. He was just standing there over the line of scrimmage in the neutral zone and got hit for a five yard penalty. The pass was incomplete. Would have been third and five. But because he was doing that first and ten, you just wonder where his head is there. Devon Godshot was very good against the run. Akeem Spence was pressuring Josh Allen all day long. And Ziggy Hood got in the back field quite a bit all things told this amounts to a win and so with that showing the dolphins now sit at six and six and the season is still alive but that is only the case if they win on sunday and coming up next we'll talk to an expert on those new england patriots mark Schofield joins the locked on dolphins podcast next at wingfield nfl at locked on fins after a word from my bookie And we all love football. That's why you're here on the podcast with me. But what makes football even more fun is when you have a little bit of action on the game. And you guys have heard me talking about this for weeks. And some of you are still sitting on the sidelines. Whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at my bookie where you play, you win, you get paid. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on the roulette table, you can create a parlay. A parlay picks three teams to win, and if you hit all three of those, you can turn 100 bucks into 600 bucks. There's so much to bet on this time of year. College basketball and football, NBA, NHL, custom props, even eSports. You name it, my bookie has it. They're the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year long. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. MyBookie has been in business for years. They have great reviews online and their mobile site is super easy to use. Sign up this week and MyBookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win with MyBookie. And make sure to follow at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM. And not to mention they've given away more than 10000 bucks in free money to their followers this football season alone. You'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted on MyBookie. Log into MyBookie right now and use promo code LOCKEDON and get up to 50% deposit bonus on your money. That's MyBookie, where you play, you win, and you get paid.
0: Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast.
1: December the 5th on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, a Wednesday, and you all know what that means. It is crossover Wednesday time, and let's not waste any more time and go ahead and get to that interview with today's guest. And my guest today requires no introduction, but we'll do it anyway. He's the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast, a generator of some of the most in-depth quarterback film analysis you'll find anywhere on the web, and you can find that on his Twitter timeline at Mark Schofield. I'm talking, of course, about Mark Schofield. Mark, how have you been, my friend?
2: Travis, I've been doing well, buddy, although I don't think I'm as well as you right now because, see, I'm in D.C. It's currently 33 degrees, a little bit chilly. You're down in Miami. It's a little bit different weather and a little bit different – Shall we say landscape
1: <laughs> that's the way to put it. I like to call it aesthetics, whether it's uh, you know the buildings or the people. <laughs> if you right. want to put it that way and the food obviously it's all been just fantastic down here. I told my uh, my roommate for the week, my locked on dolphins compadre over here I don't really want to leave, so I might not leave
2: i, I don't blame you if i were, if I could swim it, I'd stay down in Miami for the rest of my life, but you know. I unfortunately can't, so I implore you. I'm going to live vicariously through you for however long you're down in Miami.
1: It sounds good. I'm all for that. I actually saw, I heard Christmas music in a gas station. It was weird because I'm like, it's July. What are you guys doing?
2: Right. Yeah, you're seeing palm trees and stuff, wondering what's going on.
1: (laughs) Pretty weird. Pretty weird. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk some football here and start off with the, you know, not so discreet elephant in the room. The Patriots have now lost four out of the last five in Miami, and three of those games were in December. And Mark, I, we talked about this just now. I'm down here for the, for, the, for the week from the Pacific Northwest. I went on some jogs right around kickoff at 1 o'clock Eastern time, and it is hot. Any idea how the Patriots might kill some old habits and find a way to win in muggy South Florida?
2: You know, Travis, it's sort of a million dollar question this week. And I've already been on a couple of shows, you know, looking ahead to Sunday. And I will tell you that for many Patriots fans, out of their two remaining road games, this team has left this week at Miami, next week at Pittsburgh. This is the one they're more worried about. They're not as concerned about that game at Heights Field, but they're. I don't want to say terrified, but they're approaching that sort of level about this game, given the humidity, what this team has tended to have seen happen down in Miami in those sort of late November, December type games where they tend to fold. Just look at last year. You know, they had a chance in that game to sort of solidify their playoff position and not leave anything to chance. They go out on Monday night and they just they couldn't hand with Miami. And so there's that concern, I think. What we've seen over the past couple of weeks, particularly up front on the defensive si- defensive line, defensive side of the ball, there's been a bit more of a rotation to these guys. Trey Flowers, for example, probably their best up front you know, on-ball defender, particularly their best pass rusher, only played 48 snaps defensively you know, last week against Minnesota, even though he had a big impact on that game. It was his lowest percentage of defensive snaps since week five. It was the first time he was under 80%. So they're getting other guys a lot of run, getting and Rex hit back on the running back spot. There was a big rotation there at the running back spot with him, with Sony Michelle, with James White. And so I think what we're seeing is perhaps keeping some guys on pitch counts with an eye towards, you know, the conditions, what it's going to be like, sort of that adjustment from what it's going to be like in Boston then getting off the and trying to play in that environment. So I think, you know, some rotation is going to be used and already has been put into play to try to sort of prepare for what they're going to see this Sunday.
1: It's a good idea to keep bodies fresh in this heat and it definitely is a big change for those guys coming down from the Northeast. And you kind of walked through some of the offensive skill players there, Rex Burke, had you mentioned Sonny Michelle, And I want to get to Sonny Michelle here in a minute, but first, you know, tom brady's numbers i tweeted it today and this is like a troll attempt on my part i'm not saying he's better i just like putting these tweets out into the atmosphere and seeing the kind of reactions i get but i tweeted out that ryan Tannehill or that tom brady comes to town on sunday and he'll be the second highest rated passer in the game just to kind of stir up some of the feathers so why is it that tom brady's numbers are kind of regressing from what they were last year and can you just walk us through some of these struggles the offense has had this season
2: You know, I I think that, Travis, there are a couple of things at play here, and one has been, you know, you mentioned the phrase sort of the elephant in the room, and there's another elephant in the room sort of in the northeast right now, and that's the status of Rob Gronkowski, because if you watch Gronkowski right now, and whether it's in the pass game, whether it's blocking in pass protection or blocking in the run game, you will see a player that seems to have definitively lost a step. He is not Gronk anymore he is Robert Gronkowski professional football player (laughs) and he's still a very good player but you see him sort of blocking in the zone game and his first step is slow you see him running routes and he's not running away from defenders like he used to you see him on a crossing route where he gets stood up at the first down marker and he's a yard short whereas in years past he would have fought for that extra yard and won that extra yard and so that's been an adjustment for this offense because in situations past Tom Brady could trust that look If it's third and seven, unless he's triple covered, I'm going to have an opportunity to throw the ball to Gronkowski, and chances are he's going to make the play. That isn't there anymore, and so they've had to sort of look elsewhere in those kinds of moments, and there's been a sort of feeling out process there. So that's one component. Another component is simply that, look, there have been times when Tom Brady is not Tom Brady and you look at that game against Tennessee you look at some of the other throws he's had this year whether it was you know this past week you know uh, against the Minnesota Vikings or in some of the other games this season you know there's a specific, specific route that has been giving him trouble this year it's that quick out route that quick route to the flat on the left hand side he has missed it over and over and over again and missed it wildly at times. When he drilled one to James White early in that game against Minnesota, I thought, look, okay, maybe he's finally figuring that, that one out again because you almost would have wondered if he had the yips. And so there have been some Brady issues there as well. And so, you know, there's been this feeling out period of getting Josh Gordon into the mix trying to figure out how to replace what you've missed from Gronkowski since he has lost a step. You know, obviously Edelman being out at the start of the year, you put that together and it's led to some of the drop in production. And, you know, we've seen Brady sort of, I guess, if you want to say decline or regress or whatever from a top one, two, three quarterback in the league to an above average quarterback, at least from a production standpoint. And if this is the start of the decline, if Tom Brady's true decline is to get him from QB3 to QB12 in the league, I think that's going to be good enough to ride out the rest of his career. The fear is, does, if there is that decline, and we are seeing it happen, does it stop there and does he plateau here? Or does he then fall off the map like we saw with a Peyton Manning or a Brett Favre? And so that's sort of the fear that Patriots fans have right now. I think if you would ask this after the Tennessee game, we would have thought, It was more the cliff. I think now over the past couple of weeks, it's stabilized a bit. And so we're starting to feel a little bit better about where he is right now, but it's still a bit uneasy.
1: Well, even a slight regression has got to be music to Dolphins fans' ears because that guy has been torturing us for 20 years now. So the sooner he gets out, the better it is for us, quite frankly. I hear that,
2: man. I hear that from every other host. I'm sure you do. Can you just get the guy to retire? And I got to say there are times that I'm like, look, as much as I love talking about Tom Brady, he's been a joy to watch over his years playing I'm kind of, I'd like to talk about another quarterback here and there. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I say that now. Asked me two years, but I say it now.
1: Well, I guess that would have been Jimmy G. And nothing's going to cure, you know, Rob Gronkowski's ailments quite like going up against Rayquard McMillan and Kiko Alonso. So I'm sure everything will get right back to the way it's supposed to be when you guys come down here. And real quick, we're going to finish this podcast up on the other side, but take a quick break here with Mark Schofield of the Lockdown Patriots podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, including his prediction for the game on Sunday. And we'll do all of that next on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Winkle NFL at Lockdown Fins. And we are back on the crossover Wednesday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. And my guest is Mark Schofield of the Locked On Patriots podcast. And we're talking all things Dolphins and Pats this Sunday at Hard Rock Stadium. And we talked about it in the last segment, Mark, about the Patriots passing game and running game and just their offense in general. And personally, Sony Michelle was my pick for rookie of the year, the way the Patriots utilize running backs in the passing game and just what he was at Georgia. Now he's had a very nice year this year, but what do you see on tape in the running game that has given the Patriots Offense some balance and really at times kind of save the offense.
2: You know what's interesting, Travis, is that if you were to ask me, sort of, you know, the unsung hero of this Patriots 2018 team, the name I would throw out there would be James Devlin, their fullback, because what's been interesting about watching this Patriots offense sort of evolve over the past season or so is their personnel usage, and you know. All, Any good offensive mind, whether it's Sean McVay, whether it's Frank Reich, or to a certain extent, Josh McDaniels knows that the best way to sort of dictate and have offensive success is if you can dictate the defensive personnel, the defensive coverage, the defensive front, and then exploit that. And when you look at the Patriots statistically, they use 21 offensive personnel, you know, two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers more than almost any other team. Only the 49ers use it more. You know, they're using it 25% of the time. And James Devlin is basically a sixth offensive lineman for them. You know, because they do so much with fullback lead, you know, with him leading, you know, sorting of Michelle to the hole. And between Devlin's ability to sort of serve as a lead blocker, coupled with this offensive line, which is not a unit that is going to overwhelm you, but that executes their jobs very sound very crisp their footwork is very precise whether it's power or gap or zone you know putting that all together that's been a huge boost to this offense because it's allowed them to take some of that pressure off of tom brady you know if there is a difference between you know this tom brady and tom brady of years past they feel like they don't have to throw it 55 times it used to be they were just going to go out there and throw it and it didn't matter we were going to beat you with tom brady throwing the ball now they have some balance to their offense, which has opened up some stuff in the past game, opened up some stuff off of play action, but they still have that ability, if they want to, to come out in 21 personnel and, for the most part, have success running the football.
1: And we saw that in the first meeting, too. I think that was kind of Sony Michelle's coming out party. And fullbacks have been killing the Dolphins this year, Mark. Even going back to the preseason, some of the games they had more success against the Dolphins in the running game was with a fullback. And even on Sunday, Patrick DeMarco caught, I think yeah. it was a 35-40 yard pass against the Dolphins linebacking crew. So it's a problem. I expect it to continue to be a problem, especially on Sunday. But let's go ahead and flip things over to the defensive side of the ball now. And the Patriots really took it to Kirk Cousins and the Vikings last week. How were they able to accomplish that? And can we see a similar plan on Sunday?
2: Well, well, part of the reason, part of the, what the the Patriots' defense did was they really used this sort of radar or amoeba defensive alignment a lot. What they did was they took Trey Flowers, arguably their best pass rusher, best edge defender, kicked him inside, basically to a nose guard alignment. So he was lined up right on center, Pat Alfon. And then they had the rest of their defense, whether it was Kyle Van Noy and Dante Hightower, at times it was Devin McCourty and Patrick Chun as well, just sort of moving around in sort of a two-point stance. So you don't know where guys are going to line up when the ball snapped, you don't know who's going to be where, you don't know who's coming or who's going, and that caused some serious confusion for both the you know, Vikings offensive line as well as Kirk Cousins himself. And then at times they would work in some stunts and some twists off of that. If you watch the Vikings on tape, particularly in their game against Chicago a couple of weeks ago, that Sunday night game, Khalil Mack got home once, but it was due to a twist. It wasn't him winning a one-on-one battle. And so that's what the Patriots did. They, they used that sort of amoeba, radar, defensive alignment. They kicked Trey Flowers inside over the center, and they really sort of caused some confusion up front. I'm not so sure if they're going to roll that out again. I don't know if this was a Viking specific thing, but it was certainly successful, and a lot of Patriots fans in the New England area are clamoring for more of that. I do think that even if they don't use that sort of amoeba radar alignment you will see a lot of Trey Flowers kicked inside. They've done more and more of that this year. Obviously, they were burned by it in the Super Bowl with Brandon Graham kicking inside against Shaq Mason to cause that strip sack fumble of Brady. And so they're going to do a lot more of that with Trey Flowers, their best pass rusher, getting him to the inside.
1: And I promise you, if you guys saw success with games on the, up front on Sunday, you're going to do it again this Sunday because the Dolphins' guards, for as long as I can remember, cannot pick up a stunt to save their lives. So I'm sure we'll see plenty more of that. And real quick here, Mark, it's interesting to me that each time Tannehill visits Foxboro he gets annihilated and now I've always contended that his inability to quickly process is a recipe for disaster against a Bill Belichick type of defense but then you go to Miami and he tends to play well in these games so what are the Patriots doing with their coverage that could give Tannehill fits on Sunday
2: you know it's interesting that uh, entering that game against Minnesota there was always the expectation that they were going to do things the way they typically do with some good receivers. They were going to take Stefan Gilmore, put him on either Thielen or Diggs and say, look, that's your guy, lock him down. And then they're going to play basically, if not a full on double coverage, but at least a bracket or a cone on the other guy. They did, they did some of that. But not a lot. And what was really interesting was J.C. Jackson, their rookie undrafted free agent out of Maryland. They started him in that game and they basically let him go out there. He saw a ton of snaps for the first time. He got beat a couple of times on some vertical routes, but they basically let it, left him alone. And there were times when Minnesota saw that they got Adam Thielen matched up on him and the Patriots let it fly. And they trusted him in that situation as far as some sort of schematic and coverage stuff, this is still – he's going to play a lot of cover one. That's what Belichick wants to do. But they worked in a lot of cover zero at times. They went zero blitz at times, trying to get pressure on Cousins. They did some two-man at times, so they did mix in some other stuff. But primarily what Belichick wants to do is – cover one man that's what he believes in the trick is are you trusting that with a mobile quarterback like Tanhill? the cover one has led them to have some problems against mobile quarterbacks so you might see more you know straight two, cover two with some zone stuff underneath to worry, you know contend with that um but i think if he had his druthers belichick would just play cover one and just roll that way
1: all right mark two quick questions here for you to finish things up it's that time what is your prediction for the game on sunday
2: you know, Travis, this is a weird one because, you know, the line is Patriots by eight, and I, I still can't bring myself to think that the Patriots are going to win this game in that kind of convincing fashion. I know the the records are what they are, but, you know, their history down in Miami sort of gives me some pause. So I look at this game. I think New England wins it, but I think it's going to be one of those twenty-seven twenty type games that New England never really pulls away or anything like that. It comes down to the fourth quarter.
1: And it's interesting because all the matchups and the type of schemes you just kind of laid out on this podcast really go against the Dolphins, but it is that, that feeling in the air, whatever it is that the Patriots come down here and struggle that I think, you know, is causing the spread to be that close. So I guess we're going to see, and Mark, I think you and I have done four or five podcasts together. And every time I ask you, what's, what's the ceiling on Tom Brady's career? When, how long is he going to play? So you talked about it a little bit earlier. When do I get to say goodbye to this guy for good?
2: (sighs) You know, (laughs) if you're – this might be a wild card. This might be a long shot. But if you're a Dolphins fan and you're in the Miami area and there's a part of you that might have some grudging respect for Tom Brady, get yourself to Hard Rock Stadium for this game on Sunday because this might be your last shot at seeing him. I have no inside information. This is just purely a wild hunch. But if you're watching Brady over the past season – you see Gronkowski perhaps losing a step. Those two are very close. There were the rumors that, you know, he've, that Brady vetoed a potential Gronkowski trade. Those two seem to be attached at the hip to some extent. I'm not saying that I have any information, but I'm just <laughs> saying it seems like this could be the final ride. And so this might be the last time. Now, having said that, he's fooled me before. Maybe he comes back and plays another two, three years. But I just, I don't know. This, this might be the beginning of the end here.
1: Well, you certainly know how to play to your crowd. Once again, he is Mark Schofield. He's at Mark Schofield on Twitter, the host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. Mark, it is always a pleasure, my friend. Now tell the good people where they can find your other work.
2: Travis man thanks so much for having me on always a blast to chat with you and catch up uh people can find me on twitter at mark schofield uh the work i do is inside the pro football weekly the score matt waldman's rookie scout and portfolio big blue view part of the sb nation family of websites um i'm kind of all over the place but the easiest place to find me is locked on Pats or at mark schofield on twitter
1: hey busy busy man mark good luck on sunday we'll talk to you again soon my friend
2: sounds great travis chat, chat soon man
1: and there he goes once again Mark Schofield one of my favorite interviews I do on this podcast every single time I get a chance to talk to him again please follow him on Twitter and check out all of his work he is a busy busy man doing lots and lots of football work but as for this podcast guys that is going to be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. leave us that rating leave us that review check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams give me a follow on Twitter at Winful @NFL. follow the show at Locked On Fins, and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog at LockedOnDolphins.com. Jason Harina writing a piece right now as we speak. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. Fins up!